You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Right now, though, let's get a Bible study going, should we? Uh, We're going to do something a little different today. We're going to do communion. It's the first Sunday of the month. And we're going to do it right smack in the middle of the service. So we'll do a communion and then get right back into Bible study again. So prepare your hearts for that. And if you need a Bible, uh, these handsome mask-wearing men will give you a Bible. And you want to find your way to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be picking up in verse 35. Matthew 9, 35. Here's the title of the message. I want you to think about this title. I want you to insert your name into this title. Jesus wants to use your life. Jesus wants to use your life. That's the title of today's message. That's what we're going to see. Uh, Yesterday morning, my uh, actually Friday night, my son Ryan shoots me a text. Dad, want to go fishing in the morning? Uh, Ryan just started getting into fishing. Ryan was the one playing guitar here. And uh, I said, you bet. And I changed my calendar, dropped everything. And at uh, 6.30, we went fishing together. Caught a, couple, uh, caught a couple of fish, got a little sand bass, and it was fun. And uh, tonight, well, tonight we're doing our Sunday family dinners together. Grilling up some tri-tip on the grill. Going to play some backyard games and all getting together for our Sunday family meal. Uh, Also celebrating a birthday in the family. Uh, A week ago, Nathan called me up and said, hey, dad, I just took up golf. You want to go on an executive course? I said, Nathan, I don't know how to play golf. Hey, I don't care. I don't either. Come on out. Let's learn. And we went out. I dropped everything I was doing and I come. And you say, Dave, why are you telling me all these things? Here's why I'm telling you all these things. Because when Lisa and I dreamed about having children, this is exactly what we dreamed about. Having a son who'd call his dad and say, Dad, let's go fishing. Having a son who calls his dad and says, Hey, let's go play some golf. Having a daughter that calls me up on Friday night and says, Hey, Dad, can we talk? This is what I dreamed about. You see, I wanted to have a close, intimate relationship with my kids. And for a lot of years, when they couldn't comprehend anything, I poured all my love into them, hoping that one day, one day, they would what? They would love me back. And they do. And I do. And I'm thrilled. In the same regard, Jesus created you because he loves you. He wants to pour his love into you and he wants to use your life and he wants to do life together with you. And that is the amazing thing about uh, who Jesus is and how he works. Jesus wants to use your life. He wants to invite you into the kingdom work and he's got a great assignment for us. And so with that, let's kind of jump in to where we left off. Here's where we left off. Up till now, uh, uh, how many... uh, Well, we've got these disciples, right? And they're following Jesus. 
And every day they're saying, okay, Jesus, what are, what are you going to do today? Here we are. Show us your stuff. And they were loved by Jesus. And their lives were being transformed. And they were learning. And every day they'd listen to Jesus preach and watch him do these miracles. And, and it was like amazing. And then on this day, Jesus says, hey, guys, guys, hang on a second. It's going to be different today. You're actually going to preach the sermon. What if right now this morning I said, hey, Isaac, come on up here, buddy. Come on, Isaac, come on. You're going to preach the sermon. Yeah, Isaac's sitting there going, no. And that's what Jesus did. We're going to look at that in just a minute. Jesus wants to use our life. Keep that in mind. Uh, let's pick up uh, Matthew 9, 35. If you're there with your finger on the spot, give me a big amen. Uh, Lord, speak to us as we read your word. We wouldn't dare come thinking just brazenly that we could understand anything about you unless you revealed it to us. So Lord, may your spirit speak to your church this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and the villages. Yeah, he went to them. He reached people where they are. He didn't say, come to me. It's why we brought church outside. We'll just do whatever we have to do, right? Let's just... I got a great card, by the way, one of these cards in first service. And on the bottom of the card, you know, it says, how did you hear about us? And they said, I was driving by last week. Love it. Love it. Jesus went to all the cities and the villages. And there's three verbs here I would like you to circle. Get your pen out. Three verbs I'd like you to circle. The first one is teaching. Teaching in their synagogues. That's what Jesus did. He taught the word of God. Just like we're doing now. We're teaching. Jesus went around and all the synagogues. Every Sabbath he went out teaching the word of God. Then he went into the streets and he went preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Gospel of the kingdom. What's that? The good news that the Messiah is here. And he came to go to a cross. To die on a cross. To take the punishment of your sins. That all of our sins might be forgiven in him. And that he might give us eternal life. That's when he went out preaching. Every Sabbath teaching in the church. Every day during the week. Going out to the grass. Going out to the sea. Going out to the park. Preaching the good news of the kingdom. And the third verb. What is it? Teaching. Preaching. And what else? Healing. You know what happens when you hear his teaching? When you hear his preaching, you know what happens? Healing flows into your life. Healing just flows into your life. Healing every sickness, or the Greek would imply every kind of sickness. No matter what you're struggling with, he can heal it. Every kind of disease among the people. Verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Man, underline that, double underline that. We're going to talk about that. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and because they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, how many disciples did Jesus have? Jesus had hundreds of disciples, maybe even thousands. He had 12 apostles that he called, but he had hundreds, even thousands of disciples. And he says to the multitude of his disciples, here's what he says. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. What's that? 
Jesus looked out on the multitudes. He saw the cars waiting at the stoplight. He saw the people going into Subway sandwiches. He saw the people over here going into Jack in the Box. And he's thinking, why would you eat at Jack in the Box? (laughs) Oh, that was bad. Forgive me. Sorry, Jack in the Box. Uh, But I mean, when there's in and out burger, why would you eat at Jack in the Box? The tacos are good. Yeah, the tacos are good. Two, Two for a dollar. Oh, how quickly we digress, right? But he saw the multitudes and he was moved with, say it with me, compassion. Moved with compassion. What an interesting concept. What an amazing God. He was moved with compassion because they were weary. Weary? Oh, life's hard. Man, I'm not any good at anything. Oh, I blew it again. Oh, I'm such a mess. Oh, I've got this problem. They're weary. Not only are they weary, but they're what? Scattered. Scattered all over the place. And he was moved with compassion. The Bible repeatedly describes God's profound love for us. He was moved with compassion when he saw how messed up we are. That is a very unique teaching in religion, by the way. No other world religion, none of the major world religions, have a God who loves His people. He was moved with compassion. We have all been told this repeatedly. All religions teach the same things. Well, they all basically teach the same thing. I mean, there's a God and and He loves you and you're supposed to be good and be good and try to do good and we want to be good. You know, we think we played pretty good tonight, right? Like, we, yeah, we all have the same, all religions are basically the same. Can I tell you something? Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. Not even close. No other major religion teaches that God loves you. It's unique to the God of the Bible. Buddhism, by the way, Buddhism, there's no personal God. There's no God of love. As a matter of fact, in Buddhism, this might surprise you, there might not even be any God at all. It's up for the air. It's like they don't say there's a God. There might be a God. You can believe in one if you want, but there's no God in Buddhism. Buddhism is all about enlightenment. Buddhism is all about improving through morality and improving through meditation and through wisdom and through, uh, you know, uh, ascetic living. And so uh, that's Buddhism. No personal God there. How about Islam? Yeah, in Islam, the Quran teaches nothing about a God who wants to have a relationship with you. As a matter of fact, Islam teaches that there's this God and you better submit to him or else. And uh, it's not a God of love at all. Um, he's, you have to show God your love through deeds and through performance and through serving Him. And this notion of a personal relationship God is foreign to the Quran. Just like Buddhism, where it's all performance-based, Islam is all performance-based also. How about Hinduism? Any personal God in Hinduism? 
No personal God in Hinduism who loves you. Hinduism, there's a pantheon of God. Anything can be God. Your purse might be God. That pole that's right in front of your face right now that you're going like this around might be God. Anything could be God. And you have to uh, just improve through enlightenment and through, uh, you know, trying harder and and working harder and once again it's performance based because after all in Hinduism it's all about what karma you know what karma is getting what you deserve only Christianity and Judaism only the God of the Bible has a God that says no 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 it's all about my love for you and it's about me reaching you. And Jesus didn't wait for everybody to, came to come to him. No, no, no. He went out into every city, into every village, bringing the good news of the kingdom. And he was moved with compassion because he loves you. This is who he is. And I love that. And I tell you, for those who think all roads lead to God, better think again, man. Better think again. Not all roads lead to the same God. Very different gods. Only the God of Christianity, only the God of the Bible is the God who loves you, cares for you, and has mercy on your soul. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no man can ever come to God. No man can ever come to the Father except through me. And so that's who he is. So he sees these multitudes and he's moved with compassion because uh, he, he just saw that we're so weary and that we're scattered all over. He looked at all the broken lives. And I tell you what, Jesus, when he looks at the masses, he sees things differently than you and I see things. I look at all of you and man, I just love you guys. You're the church family and we, we love each other and there's fellowship. But I go out into the world and the masses and I don't have that same kind of love for all of them. I look at them and I say, what are all these people here for, right? Uh, remember the days when we used to go to a stadium and there was like 30,000 people in there? Does anybody remember that? Yeah, remember that? Imagine looking at all those people. Is your heart moved with compassion or is your heart like... I got to get out of this line, right? Jesus looks at the world differently than we do. He looked at all that mess and he didn't go, oh, look at all these. No, his heart was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because life's hard. They're weary and they're scattered. Scattered? What does scattered mean? Well, they're scattered all over the place looking for some kind of help somewhere along the way. Jesus cares for you. You can really tell when someone cares for you, can't you? Have you ever told, you know, something on, hey, what's going on? I'm going through a really hard time right now. You can tell if they care or not, right? You can see it on their face. Yeah, I'm going through a really hard time, right? Oh, you are, man, I'm sorry. Hey, did I tell you I got a new e-bike? No, I, I was telling you something. I know, but my e-bike is so cool. Really? Yeah, you just don't care that much. Jesus was moved with compassion. That's who he is. Jesus' love for us is like, well, let me say it this way. It's unlike any love that we've ever known. It's unlike any human love that we've ever known. As a matter of fact, Jesus' love is uncaused by us. Jesus' love for us is uncaused by us. It originates in his goodness, not in our goodness. That's why he loves us 
even when we're a total mess. For God so loved the world when we were enemies against him that he gave his only begotten son, right? I mean, that's incredible love. And uh, that's uh, just amazing for us to consider. We don't have to do anything to be loved by God because we already are loved by God. And that's a foreign concept for us. I know by nature, you know what we think? We think, oh, I really sinned. I really blew it. God's going to be mad at me. But here we see Jesus looked at the multitudes and you know what he saw? He saw the, the, the woman that just had an abortion. And he saw the guy that just yelled at his kid and smacked him in a bad way. Horrible. And he saw the person who really did some bad things when they got drunk last night. And he saw the person who's really stuck on cocaine and can't seem to get off and is now stealing to get more cocaine. And he saw the person who rioted and acted so inappropriately. And and he saw the person who and on and on and on was selfish and greedy and stole and, you know, on and on and on. And he looked at them and he was mad. He looked at the multitudes and he saw that they were weary and that they were scattered and he got torqued. It's not what it says, is it? He looked at them, he saw all that stuff they did and he was what? Moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. He is so high and so much, so far above us that He loves differently than you and I do. His love for us is uncaused by anything we do. It all originates in His goodness, not our goodness. And 1 John chapter 4 on your screens tells us a little bit about that. Let me hear you read this with me. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Moved with compassion for our plight, and He loves us. We are not a people earning God's love. Do you know what we are? You know why we're singing songs to Him this morning? Not to earn His love, but to what? To respond to His love. We're merely responding to His love for us. His love has touched our hearts. And so we sing praises and we say, That is who you are. You are all these amazing qualities, right? You came and you never stopped seeking and you never stopped. You're just always reaching out for me. I look at my life. I'm now getting old. I've been a Christian now for 31, two years and I'm amazed. I'm still here standing, following him. I haven't made a a mess of my life yet. I've got... amazing family and amazing marriage and his love is upon me and I'm like how did I not screw this up yet here's one reason and one reason only his love guides me and and saves me and protects me and it's only by his grace I haven't thrown it all away because I'm prone to wander Lord I feel it prone to leave the God I love and I give him my heart you give him yours and he takes and he seals it he seals it for his quarters courts above for his work that's what he does and his love is just amazing it's uncaused by anything that we do Jesus saw the multitudes differently than we do he saw their hearts he saw that they were weary and scattered all 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 over the place and he was moved with compassion 
Uh, just, uh, man, I tell you what, if we only understood God's love for us properly, we would just run to him. Jesus never said anywhere. You won't find it in the Bible. And yet we think it. But you won't find it in the Bible. He never said anywhere, go and clean up your life. Get your stuff figured out. Clean yourself up a little bit and then come to me. Never did Jesus say that. Instead, he says, come to me just as you are. With all your mess, with all your filth, with all your weariness, scattered and running ragged, come to me and I will give you life. And this call is still the same. He just looks at our plight and he's filled with compassion. He's not mad at you. He says, I, I understand you're a total mess. Come to me just as you are. I'll teach you. I'll lead you. I'll heal you. And... Uh, what an amazing God. What an amazing love. The Bible describes mankind as we really are. And here in this passage, we see that description once again. We are weary and we are scattered. That's how it describes mankind. I want you to consider how weary and scattered we are, right? I mean, we're just all over the place. Uh, and here's what he does. He says, hey, follow me. Follow me. And in addition to being a great Savior. In addition to taking all of your sins and washing them and forgiving you for your sins and saving you from hell, from eternal separation from me, hell is a real place, it's literal, and it's those who don't want to be with God, who, it's just who won't let Jesus cleanse you of your sins. He's, not only will I save you from hell, but here's what he says I'll do. Not only will I forgive your sin, not only will I save you eternally from hell and bring you to heaven, but I will do two things in your life. I will give you rest. I will give you rest from your weariness. And I will give you a stable foundation to build your life upon. You see, he looked at the multitudes and they were weary and he says, I will give you rest. And he looks at the multitudes and they are scattered and he says, I'll give you a stable foundation to build your life on. Look at the multitudes and how scattered they are. Think about how scattered we are in the world. We're scattered like a dry leaf on a hot summer day blown around by the wind, right? Just blown over here, tossed to and fro, blown over here. Lives scattered all over the place. Don't believe me? Well, let me illustrate. Look what's happened just in recent years on how scattered we've been. How many of you remember being all scattered about the big drought that we were facing? Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent on your auto insurance. <laughs> How many of you remember the big drought and we changed our landscaping and we changed our sprinklers? We got drip systems. Big drought, everybody was scattered, right? After that, it was global warming. How many remember being all scattered about global warning warming? After that, it was what? 
the Russian collusion. Oh my gosh, the Russian collusion. And we get all scattered. After that, it was gun control. And we're all scattered by gun control. And now it's a new thing and we're all scattered by a new thing. And we'll be scattered until the next thing happens and we'll be blown somewhere else. And Jesus says, hey, hey, hey. Jesus says, wow, you're weary. And wow, you're getting tossed to and fro. And wow, you're scattered everywhere like a sheep who has no shepherd. And here's what I want to do. I want to give your soul rest. And I want to give you a solid foundation to build your life on so that you're not blown to and fro all over the place. What an amazing God. And this is what He does. Rest for your souls. Our soul can have such peace. It can be refreshed and rejuvenated and revigorated and revitalized. And uh, by, by just coming to Jesus, He gives us a peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not like the world gives. How does the world give peace? The world gives peace by trying to make you happy for a moment. Oh, are you sad? Here's a sucker. Oh, are you having a hard day? Here's a smile. And how long does that last? Well, suckers last about five minutes. And so we busy ourselves, scattered to and fro, trying to go to the movies, trying to go to uh, some kind of entertainment to make us Have some peace just for a moment. And Jesus says, my peace is totally different. I give you peace, not like the world gives. I give you a peace that is transcendent. It is transcendent even through, no matter what you're going through, it'll be a peace even that transcends your momentary experience. I remember when it happened to me. Well, it's happened to me in millions of times. But I remember one of the biggest times in my life it happened to me. I had one of my kids get involved in a major accident. I thought he was going to lose his life. Intubated, right on the spot, in a coma, serious. I mean, thought they said he may not make it. And I remember driving to the hospital and this peace that came upon me. And I prayed these words. Lord... I am your servant. If you tell me to walk in this field, I'll walk in this field. And I had a peace that surpasses understanding. And I said, Lord, I know my son Nathan, he's also your servant. If you tell him to walk in this field, he'll walk in this field. And there was a peace that surpasses understanding. It was transcendent beyond the the moment thing. Was I concerned? Was I worried? Was I desperate? Oh, of course. My heart was broken. But there was a peace even with a broken heart. Jesus says, Come to me and I will give you rest. That's what he wants to do. It's, a, it's incredible. It's what he does. It's amazing. There's nothing like it. And we see it in the lives of those who walk with Jesus. Look at the Apostle Paul. He had an easy life, right? No, 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 no. No, he had quite a difficult life, called by God, used by God in powerful ways, and it was the most rewarding life you could ever imagine. I think each of us would go, man, I'd love to have the kind of life like Apostle Paul had. But look at it. He was beaten, falsely accused, falsely tried, falsely imprisoned, chained in stocks, 
scourged 39 times, whipped, left for dead, stoned, not this kind, I mean rock stoned, and put in a prison, and what did he have? He had rest. How do you explain that? Well, that's what Jesus does. My peace I give to you, not like the world gives do I give. My peace transcends your circumstances. And there in prison, what was Paul doing? So blessed by the peace of God, so secure, so solid on the foundation he's on, that what was he doing in prison? Well, what did he do in prison? He says, well, I can't go preach at the church and encourage people, so you know what I'll do? I'll write a letter. And what does he write? He writes the book of Philippians. What's Philippians all about? Joy. Joy. Amazing. Yeah, I'm probably going to be killed pretty soon, so I, you know what I can do? I can write a letter about how to have joy. And he writes a letter to the church about joy. Amazing. Amazing. This is how Jesus works in our life. He refills us and he gives us rest for our soul. And uh, Jesus wants to refresh you. I want you to know that his divine refreshing is amazing. It enables us to keep doing what he's called us to do. He wants to use your life. And his peace, his rest, will enable us to do what he wants us to do. You say, well, what has he called us to do? Well, he's called us to be, how does he want to use your life? Well, Robert, Rachel, he wants you to be amazing parents. And you are. And as you abide in Him, oh, you'll get tired. You may put in a long day, but you'll wake up refreshed. You'll be refreshed by His Spirit because He's enabling you to do the work that He's called you to do. This is what He does. He refreshes us. He gives rest to our soul. Maybe He's called you to be a business leader and He will refresh you as you abide in Him. Maybe He's caused you to be a good spouse, to actually work on having an amazing marriage. Not just to be married, but to actually work at having an amazing marriage. To actually grow as a marriage partner. To actually uh, be one who really builds and edifies and serves your spouse so that your marriage could look so attractive to the rest of the world that Jesus could use your life. This is what he wants to do. This is who he is. Maybe you're a neighbor and he wants to use your life to just be an incredible neighbor. And uh, he refreshes you. And by that refreshing, he enables you, just like the Apostle Paul, that even if the neighbor uh, gives you a dirty look or gives you whatever, you just come back with more and more love. And it's like, wow, amazing. Amazing. Jesus refills us over and over and over and he gives rest to the soul. And we can continually remain in that rest by doing what we're doing right now. What are we doing right now? Well, we're studying his word. David said, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And by being in it, it's like, oh man, I get it. I have a new paradigm. I have a new direction. I have new vision. We study his word. We pray. We gather together in fellowship. We're with each other. And, and uh, Dale, your gifts, they spur me on. And, and, and they, they, they help me. And, and Michael, your gifts, they, 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 they bless me. And I'm like, wow, look what that guy did. Michael made a VBS video last week. I looked at it. The guy's got so much talent. Not only is he a musician that plays in the worship band. I mean, he just out of his own makes this. And it was amazing, right? Like ministering to the world. We put it on Facebook. and I mean, Just like, yeah, it's what... 
It's that fellowship. And this is how we abide in His rest. This is why we can't just do church online. We need to be together to study His Word, to pray together, to be together, and to, to remain in His rest. And I tell you what, we may get tired after a 14-hour day. I get tired. But I wake up the next morning and I say again, Jesus, I can't wait to go to work and see what you want to do today. I can't wait to go into my life and, and to do life with you. I know you want to use my life. And it's rewarding. Uh, the world may be falling apart around us, but there's a peace that just surpasses understanding. And uh, that's what he promises. This is who he is. That's how he loves. That's how he, he looked at us and he had compassion because he knows we're weary and he gives us rest and he knows we're scattered by every wind that blows and he says let me be your shepherd and look what psalm 91 says look at how uh look how david wrote read this with me now let's read it so loud that they hear it inside of the subway sandwiches over there ready he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty i will say to the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in him I will trust. Look at that. The secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. Under His tent. Under His umbrella. Under His arm. Under His will. That's what He has for us. The world can't see it. But we see it. Um, he's our refuge, our fortress. Let's go on the rest of the verse. Read with me. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield. Uh, obviously God doesn't have feathers. That's an analogy. But what he's saying is, listen, I will take you. Jesus said, like a hen gathers her chicks. I will gather you under my wings. Like an eagle gathers, like it just under my wings and I'll take care of you. And look what it says here. You will take refuge and his truth will be your shield, your protection. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we devote so much time to studying God's word. That we might be refreshed. That we might be secure. That we might be under his umbrella. So many today are weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd, man. Just blown all over the place. And Jesus sees how scattered we are. And he's not mad. He's filled with compassion. And he says, I want to minister to them. I want to teach them. I want to lead them. And I want to heal them. And that's why he had the ministry of teaching and preaching and healing. Because he cares. And so every week, Jesus would gather in the synagogue, just like we're doing now, and he would teach the Bible. And then after he taught the Bible on the weekend, he would then go out into the fields and by the lake, and he'd teach by the lake. And wherever he went, he would just go teaching, and people would get healed when they heard his teaching, when they walked in his ways. And uh, it's just what he does. And as we learn to follow Jesus, he gives us the stability to have a stable, rock-solid life. Jesus gave a parable about this, didn't he? He said, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, obeys them, walks in them, he will be like a man who builds his house where? On the rock. It's on the front of your bulletin, by the way. 
Be like a man who builds his house on the rock. But he who doesn't hear these things and doesn't do these things, he'll be like a man who builds his house where? On the sand. Both houses go up. Take a look around. You know, there's everybody. They've all got a life. They've got a car. They've got a job. They've got, they're all, you know, everybody's doing their thing. They're all building their little house. But he says, when you build your house on the rock, it's going to be different. Because the storms are going to come. And you can build your house on a rock. You can build your house on the sand. The house that's built on the rock is built on the solid foundation of God's love for you and His Word that gives you direction. And you can build your house that way. It takes a little longer. Much easier to build on the sand. But both houses go up. Both houses went shopping at Wayfair and filled the place up with good things. Both of them went to Trader Joe's and filled the fridge. And both houses were there functioning. But something happened. What happened? A storm came. And which storm, which house did the storm come to? Which one? Both. 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 Being a Christian doesn't mean storms don't come. And the storms come and they rains pour and they beat on the house. And the wind blows and the wind blows on the house. And the house that was built on the rock stays firm. But the house that was built on the sand, what happens to it? It falls. And Jesus said, and great was its fall. Great was its fall. We've all seen houses fall. And it is indeed a great fall. Following Jesus, we no longer need to be tossed to and fro by every wind of change that comes our way. Oh, there's a drought. Oh, there's a... But instead, we remain secure, standing our lives, building our lives on God's Word, walking in His ways, abiding in His grace, messing up over and over and over again. And every time we mess up, we just say, Jesus, please forgive me. I repent. I want to walk in Your ways. And He says, no problem. Let's go. Let's go fishing today. Let's go golfing today. Let's go. I've got to, I want to use you. Let's go. And that's a strong foundation to build your house on. I'm going to have the, uh, the band come up and I want us to take communion right now because the foundation that we build our life on is the cross of Jesus Christ. His blood shed for the remission of our sins. The elements that we hold in our hands come at a very high cost. For the creator of the universe had to leave the glory and splendor of heaven and become a man for the express purpose of going to a cross and taking my sin your sin upon his back the punishment that I deserved he received so that I might receive his righteousness as a free gift Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. You see, I love you, God speaking, and I want to use your life. But before I can ever begin to use your life, it has to start here. This is the starting line. Being born again. Your sins being forgiven. For God is a holy God. And we need to be made righteous. 
so Jesus said this is my body broken for you remember what I've done for you that this is the very foundation that you're to build your life on let's partake together Jesus said this cup represents the cup of a new covenant it's my blood shed for the remission of your sin Jesus, why did your blood have to be shed? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. You see, the wages of sin is death. And God is a just God. And all sin will be punished. It'll either be punished on Jesus' back, or it'll be punished on your own back. But either way, all sin will be punished. Jesus said, this I do for you. Remember what I've done and build your life on that foundation. Let's partake, excuse me, partake together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that when you saw our plight, you didn't get angry. You got moved with compassion. And Lord, it moved you so much that you moved from heaven to come to earth. To live your life as a regular man. To show your great love for us. For even when we were your enemies, you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten Son. That whosoever would believe in you would not perish but would have everlasting life. And so Jesus, we thank you. And we build our life upon that rock. And we ask, Lord, that as we continue our Bible study, you continue to speak to us that we might live out the life you've called us to live. To your, to your praise, to your glory, both now and forevermore. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've learned that Jesus cares about people. He's moved with great compassion. And now he says, guys, I want you to pray for laborers of the harvest. Because there's a lot of people out there that I'm brokenhearted for and I want to reach. And I want to use you. And now he calls the guys together and he says, hey, we're going to do things a little differently today. Great, we are. What are we going to do? Are we going to watch you feed 5,000? Are we going to watch you raise the dead? Well, yeah, kind of, but a little different. You're going to do the work. And all the disciples, I'm sure, went, what? Yeah, a little different today, guys. I'm sending you out. Let's look at Matthew 10. Let's finish up our study here. Matthew 10. When he called his 12 disciples, now we're talking about not the multitudes of disciples, we're talking about just the core 12, right? Matthew 10, verse 1. When he called his 12 disciples, the apostles, to him, He gave them power. I want you to underline, he gave them power. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and to cast out diseases. When Jesus calls you to something, he empowers you to be able to do it. Say these words with me if you will. The calling of God God. is the enabling of God. God. Say it again in one sentence. When God calls a young man, 
to marry a woman and to have children, he enables him first with the desire and the ability to do that. And the same thing for a woman. The calling of God is enabling God. He's calling the disciples to follow him and to serve him and to do life with him. And he wants to use their life and he empowers them to do it. He'll do the same for you. Verse 2. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter. Yeah, we know him, right? Uh, We're going to look at quite an eclectic group of guys here. Peter, yeah, he's the impetuous one. He's the one who puts his foot in his mouth. He's the one who just thinks he can do anything. That's Peter. Andrew, his brother. Andrew, more behind the scenes kind of guy. Andrew's the one who brought Peter to Jesus. Andrew was always bringing people to Jesus. He was just a connector. Some of you are connectors. Andrew was a connector. Drake, you're a connector. There's a lot of you out there who are connectors. You're like Andrew. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. James and John, what were they called, church? What was their nickname? Sons of Thunder. Good job, Bible scholars. Sons of, why were they called that? Because they were hot-headed. They were quick-tempered. Yeah, some of us are that way, right? There was a, what's amazing is God took John, the son of Thunder, and by the end of Jesus' ministry, John was writing things like, I'm the one who Jesus loved. John was laying his head on the chest of Jesus. Son of Thunder into a little... Lovey, lovey-dovey John, right? I mean, just big difference, right? Uh, Philip and Bartholomew. Uh, yeah, more guys he called. Thomas. What do we know about Thomas? He was a cynic. We can't do that. That'll never work. That won't happen. I don't think so. And he takes cynics and he makes them into believers. Transforms them from their cynical attitude into a men of great faith. Matthew the tax collector. That's like saying Matthew the traitor who betrayed Israel and started to serve the enemy, Rome, instead of the Jewish people. Yeah, he called Matthew. James, the son of Alphaeus. Another James. This is little James. Uh, James, the son of Alphaeus. And... uh, Libius, whose surname was Thaddeus... Uh, who also went by Judas. I think he had an identity crisis. Uh, uh, Judas is what he's most known for. Uh, Not the Judas who betrayed him. There was two James. There was two Judases in the twelve. And uh, he was uh, James' little brother. Simon, verse 4. What do we know about Simon? Simon was a zealot. A zealot? Yeah, he was a political protester. He wanted the Jewish nation to tear down Roman oppression. No taxes, right? I mean, he walked, walked around with Trump signs everywhere he went, right? He was Simon the Zealot. And then, of course, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Astonishing diversity among these 12. And may I say something? Astonishing diversity among us. Each of us gifted so differently. There was a time I really needed Scott and Scott just rose to the occasion in my life with giftings that I just don't have and I'll never forget the kindness he showed me. I look at each one of you. I look at uh, Noah and what he does and how he goes around and just the connector that he is. And and each of you, I, I look around, just amazing diversity. And he brings us all together. You know, you guys have gifts that I don't have. I look at Tim, he runs a good shepherd ministry. He's doing a ministry in Haiti that ministers to uh, those who are just in trouble over there. And he brings 
Bible teaching in schools and I could never do that, Tim, and Tim does it great. And we all come together with this diversity of gifting. And here's the beautiful thing. We're all one body in Christ. I have a question for you. What is in your hand? What are you good at? What's your talents? Consider how God wants to use them. But I'm not any good at this or this or this. doesn't matter. You're good at the things that God's gifted you in and He wants to use your life. He called this ragtag team and He changed the world with 12. No, scratch that. 11 guys and He changed the world. In Corinthians, Paul said, What do you have that you did not receive? What gift do you have that you didn't receive? Your IQ? Uh, How did you get that? Did you create that IQ? Your your charisma, did you create that charisma? No, no, no. What do you have that you did not receive? What's the answer? Nothing, Dennis. Nothing. If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And why do you judge others because they don't have the gift you have, right? Uh, Look at this crew he brings together and uh, he commissions them. Look at this. These 12, Jesus sent out and commanded them and he said... Do not go, this is verse 5, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Only go to the Jewish people. And as you go, preach. Preach. What do you preach? Well, just preach this. Say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's that? Yeah, just, just preach. Just teach. The Messiah is here. Not real complex. You can do this. The Messiah is here. Why does he say, don't go into the Gentiles, only go to the house of Israel? Why? Because this is earlier on in Jesus' ministry, and it was prophesied that the Messiah would come through Israel. And he says, listen, I want you to go tell all of Israel the Messiah is here. Later on, after Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus came back and he recommissioned these guys again and he said, go to the uttermost parts of the world and tell all nations. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. I'm going to be enabling you. I'm going to be powering you. So uh, right now, the Jews only. And here's what he tells them. Look at verse 8. Heal the sick. Preach that the Messiah is here. And that will heal the sick. Cleanse out, cleanse lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Interesting, by the way, the disciples did these very things. Peter raised Tabitha from the dead. Tabitha, a woman who had done a lot of work in the synagogue, a lot of work in the church, she got saved. Peter raises her from the dead. Paul raised Eutychus from the dead. Do you remember that? Paul was teaching a really long Bible study. You think my Bible studies are long. Paul was teaching really long. And what happened to Eutychus? He fell asleep and fell out the window. And fell to the ground to his death. And Paul goes, oh, that's probably not good for a Bible study. And he walks out of the house, climbs downstairs, goes downstairs, and raises him from the dead. These are gifts that were given to the apostles, the 12 apostles, In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out not just the 12, but he sends out 
the 70, all the disciples, and he gives them the same instruction. Go and preach the gospel and go and heal the sick. But he doesn't tell them to cast out demons. It doesn't tell them to raise the dead. This was an especial anointing for the, the disciples to, to show these things. And these guys actually did it. Um, and look at this. Uh, uh, heal the sick. Verse, verse 8, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And I want you to say this out loud with me. Freely you have received, freely give. How did you receive your salvation? Freely. How did you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Freely. How did you receive your IQ and your intellect and your charisma and your gifts and your talents? Freely. Now freely give. Don't use God as a way of financial gain. God hates pastors and ministers and servants who use God as a way of financial gain. Christian businessman, don't go into the world and use Christianity to try to make more money. Don't do it. It's ugly. He sees right through it and God doesn't like it. Freely you've received, now what? Freely give. Did you deserve it? No. Now, others won't deserve it either. Give it to them freely anyway. And when they wrong you, did you wrong God? Yeah, he still gave it to you freely, even when you were wronging him. Now freely give to others. Look at verse 9. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for the worker is worthy of his food. What's he saying? He's saying, yeah, when you go, I want to send you out. Here's the picture again. Big picture, right? Hey, Jesus, what are we doing today? Where are we going to go? What are you going to do? Actually, I'm not going to do anything today. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it through you. You're going to go, what? You want us to preach? I can't preach. Go, just go. Just what, what do I say? You can do this. You can do this. Tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Messiah is here. Come and meet him. Come and see him. Come let him bring healing into your life. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. And when you go, don't take your laptop. And don't take your iPad. And don't take your iPhone. Why? Because you'll start on the journey and you'll start looking at Instagram and you'll get sidetracked. And you'll start looking at Amazon and you'll get all caught up in what you're buying instead of what I've called you to go do. Travel light. And can I tell you something, disciple? In this world, travel light. So that you might stay focused on what God has actually called us to do. Because there's a lot of distractions that make us weary and scattered. Travel light. Verse 11. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. What's that? Hey, I'm here. I'm preaching the gospel. And someone receives it. And they go, oh, great. You're worthy. Great. And when you go in to a household, greet it. Look at this. Pay attention. Verse 13. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, what do you do? Let your peace return to where? To who? To you. What's it saying? What does that mean? Tell me what that means. Shay, what does that mean? Jason, what's that mean? Caleb, anybody, what does it mean? What's he saying? If they don't receive you, let your peace return where? 
to you. What's he saying? Don't get all bent out of shape. No problemo. No big deal. Well, I tried telling them about Jesus and they mocked me and others and now they're saying this about me and now they're, they're inviting five other people to go to lunch and they didn't invite me. And Jesus says, big deal. Big deal. Let your joy return to you. You don't have to get all bent out of shape. It's not personal. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, Jesus says, right? No problemo. Look at verse 14. And whoever will not receive your words or hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake the dust off your feet and go and tell someone else. Just go knock on the next door, right? And look what he says. Verse 15 is really interesting. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. What does that mean? Jesus is using hyperbole here to illustrate something. What do we know about Sodom and Gomorrah? What were they known for? Perverse, wanton, sexual sin that was paraded openly and outwardly. And he says, when you go and tell somebody about me, and you tell them the gospel, and they don't receive it, it will be worse for them than it was for... Sodom and Gomorrah? What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? They were judged by God. And again, Jesus speaking in in hyperbole, what's he saying? What's he saying? What's this mean? This is interactive. What's this mean? Harold, what's it mean? Gene, what's it mean? Isaac, what's it mean? What's it mean? Here's what it means. With knowledge is responsibility. With knowledge is responsibility. And listen, don't get bent out of shape. When you bring them the gospel and they don't receive it, you're still doing my work. And it's still effective. And now they're going to be responsible to me. And you don't know that I might take their work, the work that you did later and it might be a seed that just goes and germinates later. For Jesus said... The kingdom was like this. A man has two sons. And the the dad says, hey, go and mow mow the lawn. And the son, first son said, okay, I'll do it, dad. But he doesn't go out and mow the lawn. He goes off and he goes surfing instead. He forgets to mow the lawn. The second son says, I'm not going to mow the lawn. I mowed the lawn last week. But then he goes off and he goes, oh, I shouldn't have said that to my dad. My dad's been so good to me. And he goes out and mows the lawn. Which one did the will of the father? The second son. And a lot of times we share the gospel. And the son says, I'm not going to do that. But people's reflections are different than people's reactions. And give time for the reflection to come to light. And to germinate. And God says, hey, I'll use it. And uh, it's not our doing, right? It's, uh, it's his doing. And the knowledge brings responsibility. Don't worry about it, God says. Last verse, last verse. Can you handle one more verse? Last verse, here it is. Verse 16. Read it with me out loud. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents 
and harmless as doves. Well, that doesn't sound real attractive. Being sent out like sheep in the midst of wolves. What's Jesus saying? Jesus readily admits there's going to be some persecution. You see, the kingdom of God is at hand, but these kingdoms are at war with each other. You're living in two kingdoms right now. There's a kingdom of the world, it's a kingdom of darkness, and there's the kingdom of heaven that you've been called into. And Jesus says, Noah, I want to do life with you today. Come on, let's go. Pray for the laborers. I want to use you. Scott, I want to use your life. Teresa, I want to use your life. Sarah, I want to use your life. Lisa, I want to use your life. But know this, there's a battle at hand. And I'm sending you into a a world as sheep among wolves. But don't worry, I've got my umbrella over you. And if they don't receive it, shake the dust off your feet. Jesus readily admits, not everyone will love you and not everyone will receive your message. And here's what he says, go and tell them anyway. Go and tell them anyway. I want to use your life. You know why? Because a lot of them will receive it. And some, even the ones that don't, they might receive it five years after they heard it and you were the starting line for them. And so he says, be wise, be wise and be harmless. Don't be an attacked sheep who has to prove your point and has to win the argument and has to prove what you said was right and you have to, you got to close the deal. Be wiser than that. They don't receive it, no problem. It's not against you. Just move on down the, run, down the runway. Be wise and be harmless. Don't take it personally. Well, they mocked me. I'm never doing that again. Don't do it. Hey, just be wise and be harmless. Why don't you stand with me? The disciples thought being a follower of Jesus was just watching Jesus do all the work. The disciples thought being a follower of Jesus was just watching Jesus do all the work. They woke up one day and they realized that's not how it is. He says, hey, here's what I want you to do, disciples. I want you to pray for the laborers of the harvest. Why? So that you might realize laborers are needed. That your heart might be moved with the same compassion that his heart has. That you might say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Jesus wants to use your life. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to respond to Jesus' desire. This isn't an altar call. And you don't have to raise your hand and you don't have to come forward. But you've heard clearly and you do have an opportunity to respond to your king, to your creator, to your lover of your soul. You see, Jesus made you so that you could go fishing together. And Jesus made you so you could go golfing together. And Jesus made you that you might have a family dinner together. And here's what he says. Oh, all these people out here, they're lost and they're weary. And I want to use you. Let's go fishing.
Maybe you want to rededicate your life to the Lord right now as a instrument, as a minister, as a servant of God. Just bow your, bow your head and close your eyes and just pray between you and God. I'll kind of lead you and maybe some sample things you might want to be praying, but make it between you and the Lord. Lord, I've made my life all about me. What I shall eat, what I shall drink, what I shall wear. Where I should go have fun, the next thing to go do. Lord, I've forgotten how you want to use my life. And Jesus, right now I, I am reminded. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you that you look at me and you don't look at me with judgment, but you look at me moved with compassion, saying, you're, you're off track, I want to use you. Come on, you're, you're my son, you're my daughter. And so Jesus, I commit my life to you right now. I know there's a messy and a hurting world out there. And Lord, I want to give you my life so that you can use me. I want to give you my life so that I can do life with you, just like you planned before you created me. Jesus, you told me to pray for laborers. Lord, I want to be one of those laborers. I want to do life with you. I want you to use my life. And now I want you to just respond to the Lord. Will you let him use you? Tell him if you will. Just tell him in your own heart right now. Tell him. Talk to him. I'm calling you. Answer the call. Will you let me use your life? Will you let me use your life? Answer the call. And now think about some people you want to tell. I want to invite you right now. Say these words. Lord, please use my life. I've been blown around by some different winds and I've forgotten. And I want to come back to letting you use me. To living my life for you. I want to be with you, abiding in you. And so Lord, every day this week, I'm going to tell someone about Jesus. The kingdom of heaven's at hand. There's a Messiah here. He came to die on a cross. To forgive us of our sins. To bring us into fellowship. To bring us back into fellowship with God. Every day I'm going to tell someone the good news this week. Make a commitment. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to empower you. Ask Him to give you a heart for the multitude that He has. A heart that is moved with compassion for your coworker. For your neighbor, for your friend. Lord, I want to serve you. Every day this week, I'm going to tell someone about you. Enable me, Lord. Give me the power. Give me the heart. And call upon the Lord right now. Lord, we're your church. We're your people. Use us for your glory. Lord, we know our job is not to bring people to Jesus. Our job is to bring you, Jesus, to people. Help me to do it. I commit myself to you now. I know you want to use my life. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray that prayer, give, give the Lord a round of applause.
What might our week look like this week as we go out in this power? May the Lord richly bless you. Bring someone to Wednesday night. Let them see and come and taste and see the Lord is good. Have a great week. God bless. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.